Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest is the founder and president of She Is, an organization set out to unite the sports world through women's sports, Brenda Andress. Brenda was the former commissioner of the Canadian Women's Professional Hockey League and has spent her entire career championing accessibility and diversity in sport. And not to mention, she's also recognized as a global thought leader and true advocate for women's sports. I'm so excited for all of you guys to hear her story. So without further ado, welcome, Brenda. Oh, thank you very much. I'm honored to uh, be interviewed. Oh, my goodness. It's an honor to have you. So let's go ahead and dive in. Can you share with us a little background on yourself and what got you started? Uh, I think that, uh, as my children would say, I was born knowing that I would be involved in sports in some capacity. And I've always been a believer that you should do what you love to do and not what you don't. And I just always love sports and I love the interaction with people. And I like, I think I wanted to make a difference like most people do in their life. And my path was in the sports world and I just followed it. Well, that's incredible. And I love the statement about how you truly just do what you want to do. And I think a lot of the times we do get caught up in that. I'm I'm curious on to what got you into sports in this in the first place. When did you know that you love sports and kind of walk us through that journey? I think that um sports was always a, a great way to uh, meet people. I mean, sports is kind of like the universal language of getting introduced, finding new friends, finding a, a place of, you know, happiness, joy, many different things. And I can, my family was very much a sports fan in hockey. And so I grew up around hockey. So I was a hockey person from as long as I can remember. I remember uh, my dad putting this little, you know, probably 20 foot by 20 foot rink out back and my brother and I would play out back for hours, you know, shooting to a hundred, uh, skating over twigs, which I think make, made us all great skaters because we had to deal with the outside elements. And I just found that when I was on the ice or when I was doing a sport, it was like I was in rhythm with my body. It was like, uh, I, I belonged here. It was like someplace where I was happy. And so I always kind of drifted towards that and got involved in playing hockey at the age of 16. I, I uh, always tell the story when people ask me, you know, my first involvement. I remember uh, I was 16 years of age when they finally put a hockey team together in a little town of Napanee. And we were just going to play on Sundays at 12 noon. And all the girls were going to come in and we put together a team and play against each other. Uh, the very first Sunday that it, we were due to play, my brother had a game. Uh, came up suddenly and my my dad took the car and said you know we have to take your brother he's playing you know all-star hockey uh, to his game and I'm looking going well how am I going to get there right uh, and he had a brand new white van construction because he worked construction on the farm and uh, when he left I turned to my mom and I said come on mom I said uh, we're going to take that van out there I said and uh, we're going to go do something courageous and you know change the way the world is going to be and she just laughed at me she goes do you know how to drive a standard and I said, well, no, but who, uh, what's, what is there to learn? I mean, you know, and back then it was uh, what we called three on the tree, which means the, you know, the stick shift was on the column of the steering wheel. 
And I said, come on, Mom. I said, we're, uh, we're going to jump in there and give it a whirl. And she goes, your father's going to shoot you if you, if you, um, uh, you know, break that uh, gear. I said, come on, we can do it. We're, we're going to be adventurous. We're going to be trailblazers, Mom, trailblazers. And uh, she jumped in the car. And I think we hopped uh, most of the way to the arena as the, you know, changing the gears. But I remember, you know, we laughed and I go, come on, Mom. I said, we're trailblazers. We're starting women's hockey. We're going to go do it. By the time uh, we got there, the, pra the practice was over. Uh, I knew how to dri drive a uh, standard right away because I'd learned. Um, and my mom came to watch me every Sunday at 12 noon. She would sit up there in the stands uh, and watch me practice uh, with the 40 women who had come in to play every uh, Sunday at 12 noon. And from there, it was just like a progression that was, uh, I just loved it. It was like, uh, just, I always say to people, it's like skating on ice for me of being so much at home with what I do. So that was it. It was like from then on, I was involved in any sport that happened because I loved, I just loved the interaction. I loved the excitement. I loved the the team part of it. I loved the, the kinship and I loved the ups and the downs. Cause I mean, you really had to work hard to uh, make the teams as it started to move up. So yeah, that was my start in women's hockey. That's so admirable. You know, I reflect back on some of the advice that I've always received as a young woman growing up of, you know, how can you create this sense of kind of like power within yourself to be able to really take the next step and take the next step and, and make that leap. And every single time, you know, we always get that piece of advice, you know, just go for it. Just, just do it. Just launch, launch the business, launch the brand, but it's so hard. And what's so powerful about your story of you coming into the, the sports world is at that moment, when you were 16 years old, you could have started asking yourself like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to drive a stick. I don't, what if the car breaks down on the way there? What if it stops? I could be going up on a hill. Like you could have been going through all these questions of the what ifs, but instead you just decided to go for it. And that's something that's so moving, especially when it comes to people who may be for the instance of today, they, they could be uh, going through this transition period of wanting to start their new business. But then they start going through all these questions like, oh, what if I don't have the right money? What if I go through all these different obstacles in life? And then they almost make those excuses as a means to stop moving forward and not making that leap. So I think that's incredibly important to be able to, to know and really diving into your professional experience. You also started off outside of sports too, correct? Can you walk me through the transition of moving from recreational programming facilities, that type of role over to the CWHL? I was, I spent about 25 years in parks, recreation and culture. And it was absolutely, I love those years. Again, you're working with teams and you're working with, you know, the hockey world and the soccer world and the, and the theater world and the programming world and the pool world. And it's like, I got all these wonderful opportunities to see how different things happen, but I also got the opportunity to see so many different athletes in, in many different ways. And when I say athletes, you know, the arts and cultural world is just as skilled and just as talented and just as hard, you know, in transition and training and every different aspect of what you choose to be in life. And I, I loved it. And I was building facilities as, as much as, uh, you know, operating them. So I really had a wonderful time, but hockey was always a part of my world. I mean, I still play. And I had just finished building a 31 million uh, 
complex that was multicultural in the way of bringing together all the different facets of sport and recreation. And I was thinking, what's my next step? Um, and, and you do go through this. And I think this is really important because people always say, you know, successful people or people who are certain places in their life. It just, you know, it was a breeze for them, but it wasn't true after, after building this massive facility and providing, you know, sponsorship and revenues and construction costs that all came in on target. It's like, well, what do you do? Like, here you are, you just built this wonderful facility. It was uh, it was a team building ex exercise for sure. And now what's the next stage of my life? What do I do? Am I complacent enough to just sit still, you know, pull in the six figures that you can make or what's missing? And so uh, there was something missing for me. Uh, and I, again, had to sit back and say, well, what is it that you really want to do? So I sat back and I wrote a book called Bringing Passion to Life. And while I was writing that book and writing a book, I, I would say for everybody to do, it doesn't matter if you ever get published. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, if nobody else reads it, sit down and kind of write what's inside of you because it's, it was massively learning for me when I was writing Bringing Passion to Life and figuring out how do you find out what you want to do and what's your next steps. And while finishing that book off, uh, a good friend of mine came to me and said, hey, Brenda, we have an opportunity for you. You know, you're kind of hanging around doing nothing. And why don't you come over here and be the commissioner of the Canadian Women's Hockey League? We're just going to start it up. Uh, the Canadian Women's Hockey League was started by really a, a wonderful group of players. Uh, and then I came into that group of people and with a business plan and said, here's where I would like to see it go. If this is what you, the players would like to see. And together we worked at building the structure and, you know, the progression of the CWHL. And I think it was so essential to kind of do that transition for me and sit back and look at what I really wanted to do. And I was, I was in love. I mean, you, you not for profit, uh, you know, is not a money-making situation, but, but I was, so lucky to be involved with the athletes that were involved in there. And again, taking a chance, so lots of times I didn't have a clue of where, you know, the next paycheck was coming from or sponsorship dollars. But what I knew was, is that I was in the right place because I was happy. My goodness. That's absolutely beautiful. Something that I've recently been going through in my mind is this notion that purpose fuels your passion and performance. When you have your sense of purpose when you've identified your sense of purpose of what really means what really is important to you what means to you then you're able to fulfill your passion whether that be in work professional personal you name it and then once you you have those two pieces now you're perform you're performing you're performing in life you're performing in your career and what's incredible about the process that you took is that it was really part of your path it wasn't something that you actively sought out for going into the CWHL. It was something that you had that initial process of, of writing down your purpose, writing down your intentions through your book and identifying what actually was important to you. And because you had identified what was important to you, then all the pieces started falling into place. For those that may be considering making a transition to something that's completely brand new, what are some recommendations that you would have for them? Well, I, th I think you have to know that there's going to be uh, uh, ups and downs. It, it, there's, 
There is nothing that brings more happiness than the journey to it. And the journey to it is going to be ups and downs and, and it will make you stronger. It will make you more resilient. However, there is not one successful person out there that has not had days when they thought, damn, uh, it's not going to work or, you know, or what am I doing? Or, you know, should I quit? Those are natural kind of thoughts in your head. They're, they're just natural. But my suggestion would be is, you know, write down uh, what you want in life or what you think you need in life. Uh, put it in a box. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, one woman wrote about the fact that she calls it the prayer box. Uh, another woman wrote that said, you know, she called it the, the ask box. And I love this concept because it's like, uh, you know, I want to, I want to be a successful artist or I want to be a Olympic all-star or something, write that down, put it in the box and then say, okay, I'm done with the negativity of part of that. Now I'm going to go do it. And it's up to whoever is out there, whether you believe in God or whether you believe in the universe, or you believe whatever in the natural path, that's their job. Cause I put it in the box. And I think it's one of those key things that it's like, uh, you know, if you continually say, oh, I have to, I have to, I have to, uh, instead of just saying, you know what, I, that's not my problem. I know that's my fear. Or I know that's my request. Now I'm going to go over here and do this because that's over there and it's been taken care of. I've put it away and somebody else is going to answer that one over there. So I think if you're starting something new, uh, if you're one in 1 million, it's going to be like an easy path. Uh, but more than seldom, it's a very hard path. Um, but it's such a worthwhile path. Like I look back and I say to people, sometimes they say, you know, you worked for not for profit. You should have stayed at the six figure job. Just think of where you are now. And then I go, yeah, but I would have never uh, had the opportunities that I've had of traveling all around the world, meeting phenomenal athletes, uh, coaches, executive directors, commissioners, press, media people all over the world. And I did that because I have no idea how, uh, but if something always came along that cleared the path and I just followed the path. And, and so those that are starting out new, I say, go for it. Um, you only have one life and, you know, nobody, everybody always says, well, you know, this person's going to think this. And I'm thinking, ah, trust me, um, as much as we want to believe it, it, you know, once you move on to the next world, not many people will say, oh, she should have done that or she shouldn't have. Uh, so people, you should really worry about what you think. And I say, go for it. Go for it big time. Uh, if you fail, try again. If you fail again, try again. Oh, that is wonderful. I love the the part that you spoke about how people aren't going to look back at your life and comment on something that you should have done. That is exactly it. They're just going to admire the work that you're accomplishing to date. Now, thinking about that and then also combining the fact that you have used your purpose to fuel your passion up to where you are today, you were are an um, incredible, incredible leader, especially in the women's sports space. And reflecting on your time during the CWHL, can you talk about some of the top learnings that you experienced that essentially helped shape your personal mission of amplifying the voices of women in sports? I think a lot of what I learned, and it was, it was, it, that's the wonderful thing about anything you choose to do. There's so many lessons in it. And, you know, there was, there was parts of me at times that, um, 
forgot, I think, that, you know, why you're doing something. And, you know, because you get so caught up in you have to get sponsorship dollars, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And sometimes you forget the, the reason why you took the job and the reason why you spent so much time trying to bring the highlight the women's sports um, gets put aside because you're so busy doing the mundane things and the opportunity to make sure you exist. And the one lesson I, I think I learned uh, quite a few times is, is that uh, your perception and what you believe in is not what everybody else believes in or their perception. And so you have to find common ground and finding common ground is difficult. Uh, and some like, especially sponsorship, not-for-profit is a lot about sponsorship. And you have to understand a lot of times it's not personal. It's just, that's the sponsor's answer. And, you know, we used to laugh. I mean, you know, the, often we go in and over and over again into sponsorships meeting and people will say, have you tried this? And we would laugh, you know, because we go, of course we've tried this, <laughs> like, you know, but you know, you had to, you had to say, you had to be polite. You had to say, yes, yes, that's a great idea. Um, because it wasn't just about you and your ego of them asking you that or your ego about, my God, you think I don't know that. It was more about what's the end purpose. The end purpose is to get the sponsorship dollars to do what you originally wanted to do, which is to highlight women in sports and to build, uh, you know, information and to build the fans and to build uh, acknowledgement of these great athletes. Because so many athletes are out there that have, such personal stories of what they've gone through. And, and it was like, wow, if you guys are still playing, then I'm still over here as the commissioner still trying to get dollars for you because, you know, you're inspiring me. And it's definitely this, this two prong approach and partnership between those two. And I also wanted to, to kind of dive a little bit deeper into something that you mentioned. You know, I think a lot of the times, especially people who are in executive positions, they're going through so many, so many tasks, just trying to keep the business afloat. And you're right. We do forget why we forget the, per we forget the purpose, the mission as to why the organization was created in the first place. And then when you add in an additional layer of partnering with other organizations, finding common ground is so incredibly important because you're going to start going through all these tactical approaches of how to make the partnership work. But at the end of the day, the reason why there's a partnership in the first place is because everybody was aligned on a set mission. Is that right? Totally correct. And it's so essential because you do get so bogged down that you forget that. And I think one of the greatest lessons that, that I think for me personally on, on my mission within was is that I surrounded myself by brilliant people. And in my, in, when I worked in Parks, Rec and Culture, when I worked with the CW, when I worked with Shias, uh, I was never afraid to have somebody twice as brilliant as me uh, working with me because the twice as brilliant people were going to make me look good. And so... I was completely okay with bringing on individuals that were, you know, massively creative and brilliant and, you know, board people, our chairman of the board, you know, Chris and then Brad in the CW. I mean, just brilliant people. And I'm thinking, yay, you guys are going to make me look great. And, it's, and the same thing with staff. I mean, we had, I had such wonderful staff in both places because they were brilliant and, and they make you look good. And I think sometimes as people, we forget that uh, don't be afraid of that that creative, wonderful, smart person. Uh, they're not there to take your job. They're there to make you look good. And you as a, a CEO or an executive director or a boss, uh, 
that's the brilliance of being a good boss is to know how to take those individuals and and let them go let them shine because they're uh, they're going to make you look brilliant oh yes that's exactly it it's not about being the one that makes the ideas it's about creating an environment that inspires other people to make the ideas with you and thinking about how really along this along this theme of advancement you know there's a lot of work that still needs to be done for women in sports and I'd love to really pick your brain about what are some ways that people can start taking action now to support a greater future for accessibility and for diversity in sport. Yeah, you know, that's that's like an age-old question that everybody asks. And I think uh, a lot of people don't like my answer, but it's like take action is the simplest way. Uh, it's so easy for us to say, Oh, I love women's sports. Oh, I'm going to invest in women's sports. Oh, I'm going to help this person. Oh, yes, I had a conversation with them. Tick the box. I said something on social media and said, hey, I tweeted it out. And that's the end of it. And and that's where our society kind of is, is, is that it's so simple for us to be supportive of something by social media. But, but the act of action is what makes the difference and what really changes whatever we want to do, whether it's in sports or whether it's in health or, with, you know, whether it's in changing, uh, you know, uh, homelessness or whether it's in changing cultural movements, it's really about taking action. And the simplicity, you know, when I worked in Parks and Rec and Culture, uh, we have so many opportunities of where women still need help, uh, you know, in getting equal ice time, in getting equal playing fields, in getting, uh, you know, different differences of what women need compared to men you know I remember in one of our uh one of our parks and rec we ran a phenomenal program for women and then realized that it wasn't very well attended because you know we had this great idea for for new Canadians we were going to offer women this wonderful exercise program it got them out it got them introducing everything and then you know one of my brilliant staff which is brilliant she says Brenda, you're not going to believe this, but, you know, I, I decided to ask the women that were coming, what's the problem? And it was so simple because we forgot that with the multiculturalism is that they have a different view. They have a different way uh, and because they're brand new Canadians. They're, you know, brand new U.S. citizens and they're coming in and they're going, we don't, you know, we had all this open glass, beautiful scenery out into the, you know, everywhere. And it's like they weren't ready to, to you know, put on all these exercise clothes, spandex and everything, and then go work out with the world seeing them. So we had to like, we put shades on the windows. The simplicity of, of knowing, like accessibility of, of programs for everybody is to know the audience that you're, you're participating with, taking action with that. So it's not like saying, oh, you know what, we really want to do this, but it's like, we actually took action and changed things in that one particular area. You know, women supporting women in investment is so essential. Uh, and not just not just saying, yeah, hey, I'm going to help you, but, you know, hey, I'm really going to help you. You know, I'm really going to find this for you. I'm really going to put in $100,000. I'm really going to do this. And I think that's essential for us is taking action because it's so easy for all of us. And, and personally, at times I have to do the same thing. You know, uh, I'll just say no now instead of saying yes, because if I because if I say yes, I'm ticking a box and I'm not taking action. So lots of times now I'll say, I would love to help, but I just don't have the capacity. So I'm saying no, but I'm still taking that action of the right thing. And I think that's, I think that's essential. Just take action. We're, we're a society that just ticks a box right now. 
That's completely, completely right. And what's admirable is that you're inspiring more than just a movement. You are accelerating action and you're accelerating action through She Is. So we didn't really touch on that too much, but it's incredible the work that you've already accomplished to date with She Is. And now you really are pushing and accelerating for a better action-oriented future. So can you talk a little bit about She Is and what you're seeking to achieve through this brand? Well, She Is was born from a place of positivity in a time when a lot of negativity was going on around the world. And um, so I, I wanted to make a difference with all the people out there because the commissioners, we were all saying the same thing. Like, you know, we have to build a fan base. We have to build we have to build a database. Um, so I wanted to bring the commissioners together to cross pollinate each other's sports. So to help each other through She Is Games, through the Women Worth Watching campaigns, to uh, really not focus on the athletes or the leagues, but to focus on the fan. We need to get the fans out. We need to get the fans to take action. And that's where she is, was born from. Um, again, uh, you know, brilliance in the fact of me, you know, uh, Katie Donovan came on uh, and then Jill came on, you know, that was the executive director for, you know, uh, You Can Play and two brilliant women, uh, you know, kind of put together this wonderful concept of the Shias games and we did STEM in sports really made an impact in the young girls because we would go out and get girls from different areas um, uh, and different backgrounds to come into these games, to have an educational part of the game, to listen to the athletes saying it was difficult to get to be an athlete, how to take that education back to your community and make a difference. And, and that was, and that's what we start, we, that's what we really started to do. And I think it was phenomenal uh, at that particular time. And now she is, is moving into a new concept where we're trying to move into the future again with the step. And we're now back out there and we're looking for, you know, investors to back a new project that we're trying to do that will again, highlight women in sports. Um, so anyone listening, I'm, I, I'm happy to take action with you anytime. And uh, so that's important for us to continue to push the needle uh, to continue to uh, try to bring women's sports uh, the equality it needs, and I think that's so essential for us. Uh, it's a it's the it's the right time for women to be highlighted, to be uh, worthy, to be respected, and so I think it's I think it's a time when if you were going to make a difference, if you were going to make, take action, this is a great time to reach out to me. Well, I definitely don't want to have to have you reveal the secret sauce or anything confidential, but is what's ex what's something super exciting that we can all expect from you and she is? Um, I think the super exciting thing that you can expect from us in the future is um, is something that's not currently there that we're trying to fill the gap for for sure. But I think the exciting part for us is is that you will see us continue to push the needle and continue to try to get all fans to take action. And I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking and hoping to make a difference by, you know, really collecting information into one place and being able to share it with everyone. Oh, so wonderful. Well, final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is designed to be a future entrepreneur, what would you share with them? Great question. Um, I think what I would share with you is, is that if you want to be heard in this world, um, 
you should listen. That is the key of starting out. Sometimes uh, there were so many times that I forgot to listen when I should have listened. And my grandson, you know, when he graduated from grade eight, uh, I, I said the same thing to him on a little card. Like, you know, if you want your voice to be heard, then the first thing you have to do is listen. Because, you know, listening gives you the skills of what's going on in a room, of what's going on around you. And more importantly, when people think that I say, listen, um, it's not so much listening to uh, all the chatter around you. That's, that's the second part of listening. Really, the first part of listening is listening to yourself. Because, you know, so often we want to be somebody else. And I'm here to tell you that you can't be anybody else. You can only be you because everyone else is taken. So the concept is, is to get really quiet. Uh, if, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be a leader, if you want to be anything in this world, get really quiet and listen to the most important voice that will ever talk to you. And that is the voice within yourself. That is your voice. And other people can't hear your voice unless you hear it first. <clears throat> Sorry. It's so important for your own voice to be heard by you. So if you want to be heard, you have to first listen to yourself. That will tell you what your next steps are. Thank you for that. Well, thank you, Brenda, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out She Is, the first organization to unite the sports world to mobilize fans and grow women's sports. Looking to hear more about what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast, and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.